show with Nick Summers. It is Thursday morning, March 31st. It is the last day of March. Joining us live on the air, it's time for... Now, it's the Columbia Check-In with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. Yes, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett is back from her global trotting around (laughs) Israel. So tell us, you were in Israel? Yeah, so I was there. Sorry, I couldn't share it with you guys before I left, but you know, these are top secret, are difficult times. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they can't really. They, they don't like. Uh, they don't like us traveling abroad, and everybody knows just that the bad people don't know, right? Yeah. You know, unfortunately, as you heard, another horrible tragedy in Tel Aviv um, just just this week, and then one uh, in Jerusalem when we were there. What um, what happened? Um, so there was there was a, a gentleman jumped out of a car and they have, uh, and killed four Israelis. Wow! Um, in Jerusalem, I mean, you know, Liz, the one thing I can tell you is that Israel is a true ally of the United States, mm-hmm. and I think most people truly believe that. But the the grace that they show in living their everyday lives um, with the threat um, of having neighbors all around them that don't want them there. It's just, it's inspiring, right? Everybody goes on with their day-to-day lives. People live normally, kids play. Um, and they, but they have an amazing police force and an amazing military that works day and night to keep those mm-hmm. people feeling safe, like they can live normal and not worry about, you know, threats that are happening. So very, it's amazing the resolve of the Israeli people. And, um, why but it was you, an amazing Yeah, trip. why were you there? Uh, what was the purpose? So I was there on an international trade mission. I was there with um, six, five other, there were six of us in total, five other Republican lieutenant governors. And um, we met with former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. We met with current President Bennett. And we met with Gantz, their secretary, their Prime Minister of Defense. Um, we've met with all their cabinet leaders, and we met with businesses. So businesses that are, are Israeli businesses that have ties to our respective states to find out what we could do to enhance um, their operations here in the states. And then to try to, um, myself, I spoke with an incubator company that looks at technologies. This is a huge think tank and saw some of the things they were working on and definitely tried to get them to come and partner here in South Carolina. Uh, if, you know, they were doing something in an industry like advanced manufacturing, which we lead the world in. And who, so, who, who was our counterpart for that? Um, what business is here? So in Charleston, we have a great company called Nano Baby. Uh, Nano Baby is number one on the baby products on Amazon. They revolutionized what a baby bottle looks like. Hmm. They are doing new technology that through a monitor, through a camera monitor, um, will be able to tell the oxygen levels in a baby's blood so they can detect it and alert a parent if a baby stops breathing. That's their newest product that will be coming to market within the next month. They have a distribution center right here in Charleston. Um, and looking, you know, I was I was putting on my best salesman's hat and trying to t- get them to put some of this manufacturing um, here in South Carolina. Uh, also, another great company called Aran. Aran makes all the plastic. If, if there's a bag inside a box or a cylinder, Aran makes that plastic bag. 
raw materials come out of Israel, but they opened a few years ago a big plant in Greer uh, that we were talking about expansion there and what they could do. They're now taking over more market share. So we had some great, I had some great meetings uh, while we were there. And, hmm. and then just like always, right, we want to know what we as a state are doing good, what we can help them with. Do they have any growing pains that we need to know about? So it was, it was really good to, to hear from those companies and, and to be able to help them and encourage them to grow here in South Carolina. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, the COVID uh, restrictions. You know, I know that Israel had uh, very, very uh, strict COVID, more, way more rigid than we had in South Carolina. Did you see any remnants of that? No, I didn't. But we did talk with their prime minister of health. And, you know, I, I'm proud of all my colleagues. We asked some very tough questions about, you know, during these restrictions, what are they seeing now as on the mental health side? You know, because mm-hmm. they did. They locked down a lot tighter than we did. Um, it was interesting to hear, though, Liz, um, you know, they were first to get some of these Pfizer vaccines. And just that Israel has a medical system that they have 20 years of data on all their citizens medical health-wise. And so what they were able to do for our pharmaceutical companies was to give them real-time data on if there was a, if something was happening, maybe a fallout from a vaccine, they could pull together, not within years and months, but they said within hours, any linking factor. So if somebody was blood clotting, right, and they started to see a pattern, they could go through their system and figure out what all those people shared in common. Was it a specific medication they were taking, an ailment, an age? Um, It was kind of interesting to hear um, from from our viewpoint. I don't know that I would think it is good to use all of your data on your citizens as you're testing out a new drug, but Mm -hmm. um, it it did make a big difference in how, you know, I guess the drugs were tweaked and, and distributed and brought out, they they are are happy with the way that their numbers showed up. But I don't see, there were really no restrictions. There weren't masks, people weren't locked down. Um, everything was open again. I think they see now the mental health aspect of that and why um, maybe they would have done something different than they, than they initially did. I think they're coming to grips with some of that too. Mm-hmm. I hope you bragged upon um, what happens when you don't do lockdowns. I did. Uh, you know, it was, and, and like I said, I was really proud of our colleagues because we did push back on things that they did. You know, Israel is a true ally of ours. You know, it was just like with your friends, you don't agree on everything. Um, but it was great to have open dialogue with them to hear why they did what they did. Um, definitely bragged on South Carolina and mm-hmm. talked about that with any of our counterparts and maybe businesses that were looking to take some of the innovation they were developing and come here is that on a business side, there's not a state that did it better than we did, right? We gave our businesses the tools to keep their employees safe. We gave, we knew uh, we had the confidence that they would do that and just how well businesses fared here in our state. It was definitely on the top of my sales pitch was as I was talking to everybody. Do we have any lingering COVID whatevers? I don't want to call them restriction, but um, policies hanging around still, or you know, have we officially moved on? You know, I think we've officially moved on. As, as far as I'm aware, you know, we never 
We never had a, a mass mandate. We never had a lot of things other states did. So we didn't have to unroll from a lot of that, which mm-hmm. was nice. You know, there are still businesses that are free to do what they want as far as if they want you to wear a mask, if they want their employees to wear a mask. Although I don't see that anymore. Uh, our, it seemed like our colleges were the last to really enforce that, some of our bigger colleges. And even that has stopped. Um, so, you know, I think we're kind of back to business as, as usual. And and that's where we need to stay. I think if we've learned anything, it's that, you know, too much restriction doesn't help anybody. We see that when we look at our blue states, right? You and I have talked about that a lot. You look at states like New York and Michigan and, and heck, not that far from us, right? North Carolina. Look what it has done to cities like Raleigh and how people have moved out and businesses have left because they, they weren't going to take the risk of rolling the dice and getting shut down again. Mm-hmm. You so, know, speaking of which, you know, the tale of, of blue and red governors, I don't know if you saw this, but this came out um, a couple of weeks ago that Governor Henry McMaster ranked 15th among governors in the new 2021 Laffer Alec report on economic freedom. Um, and it's these rankings are the result of sophisticated analysis of each governor's policies and the context in which each governor operates. So there are many factors that go into this, including state legislature legislatures and, and, you know, all these things that reflect on the governor. But um, he ranked 15th uh, South Dakota's Christy Nome. Uh, Utah, Spencer Cox and Florida's Ron DeSantis, all, all Republicans ranked at the top. Uh, our governor ranked number 15 and all Democrats were at the bottom of this list, actually. Um, well, economic I can, freedom. I can understand that. You know, I'd be interested to see the demographics that they use. You know, when you talk about, you know, and you and I have talked about this, like like Governor DeSantis, and you, talk, you have to... I, I don't know how you how they would have how they come up with based on um, kind of what the Constitution in every state allows a governor to do. It would be mm-hmm. interesting to see how they you know put that into play. I think we've done a great job here. I think if you talk to any business here, BMW, Michelin, some of our big guys will tell you um, they they equate their record years because of great leadership here in our state. And so I think that's a testament. I'm always leery, although I think the governors you all name, they are all doing a great job. And if all the Democrats um, are at but the bottom of the list, then they're kind of spot on yeah. <laughs> with some of that. But it'd be interesting to see how they weighed mm-hmm. in on some of those things. It said that McMaster ranked highest in interstate migration, um, education freedom, spending per capita, and federal unemployment benefits. And uh, overall... Uh, South Carolina ranked 16th in a Wallet Hub study on states with the best and worst return on investment on taxes. So, yeah. Well, just, now you've given me something. Now you've given me something to read. I'm going to have to go yeah. pull that up. Yeah, it'd be interesting to like kind of pick that apart and and just take a look at that. Um, there are some of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I don't know if you want to express your opinion on it or how um, the governor will um, react to certain things, but there's a bill that would ban transgender athletes from competing in female sports in South Carolina. That's headed to the uh, Senate floor. And they uh, recently had a an education, state education committee do a, a voice vote that advanced that bill 
um, the Save Women's Sports Act. And also, um, when you, while you're thinking about that, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked us, do we, if you know, if we have anything similar to the Parents' uh, Rights Act that was passed in Florida and recently signed by Ron DeSantis, you know, they kept calling it the Don't Say Gay Bill, but we all know that that's not the, that's not the real name or the real purpose of it. Yeah. So, you know, I was with my counterpart, Jeanette Nunez. She was with me on this trade mission in Israel. And of course, that was a big topic, right? Because she was, they signed that bill on Monday. Um, we all got back, uh, back to the U.S. on Saturday. And, you know, she's very proud of that bill. Um, they are, they are just trying to control, you know, keeping things that they don't believe are child appropriate out of the classroom and really having, having those conversations should be had with a parent. That's kind of the basis of the bill, right? Mm -hmm. You have to keep a parent informed. And I think the don't say gay bill, that was something that opponents threw on that bill. Jeanette kind of said that over and over again. You know, basically this is just about, you can't hide things from a parent, right? So we, you know, they had had reports of, you know, children asking questions in school, teachers, you know, or administrations leading them down a path, parents being in the dark about it. And I mm-hmm. think that's what us all as parents do not want. All right. That's why we are all so for school choice, because when you when you, when you have choice, you have power. And when a parent believes that an administration at a school is, you know, doing that or they can they have the ability to pull their children out and put them somewhere that more reflects the views or what kind of education they want for their children. Um, and so I think that the don't say gay bill, that, that was, that was something that their opponents threw on it. This was more of a, you cannot keep parents in the dark bill. I mm-hmm. think that should have been the title of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, to my knowledge, we don't have anything like that. That's kind of a, something that is, I think everybody's looking at. Um, but your first question was, now we got on this bill, which as a parent, I, I'm, you know, I'm completely for school choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that solves so many of our problems, right? Yeah. We, we had three major hearings, subcommittee on CRT. That bill is, is going to be talked about on the floor. And all the things that we were talking about really get solved with school choice. Mm-hmm. You don't like it. You have the ability to move it out. You have the ability to, to move your child out. Um, and it's not just on social issues, right? If you don't like the curriculum, if you don't think your child is excelling, if your child has a, has a gift or maybe um, a learning issue that isn't being satisfied, it, this is not just, you know, people are trying to now wrap this around while parents, you know, mm-hmm. don't want their kids to be exposed to anything that they don't agree with. This, school choice makes, gives parents the ability on so many different levels, right? And I think that's a good thing. So. Um, that's something that they are talking about too in the House and Senate, mm-hmm. uh, or it's actually in the Senate right now. Is how do we do a voucher system? Yeah. So parents have that. And yeah, so- I, I think if parents, uh, it, it, it's it's great that parents would have a choice. Um, but I, I was just kind of like posing a question because someone uh, sent us a photograph of a sign that's in the Carolina Forest High School hallways that I found to be extremely 
alarming. Didn't know it existed, but someone sent it to us today because we were talking about this. And I said, you know, we really don't know exactly as a parent what our school board is responsible for, what our superintendent is responsible for, what the school board chairman is, the principal. We don't know everybody's roles. We just kind of accept that school's going to be there and teach our kids. But um, someone sent us a, a sign that, Nick, actually, do you have that picture of the sign? I do. Lieutenant Governor, here's what it says. And it leaves off a lot of uh, groups of people, which, by the way, is offensive by in and of itself. But it says all Panthers matter. Panthers is their like mascot for their school. Uh-huh. It says, dear female students, you control your own body. Well, that sounds nice. Dear Mexican students, you are a positive influence. Dear undocumented students. I call them illegals where I'm from. But anyway, you belong here. Dear black students, continue to make a difference. And dear LGBTQ students, your identity is respected. And then it's got the Panther, like, you know, little whatever silhouette. And then, like I said, it right in the middle of it says all Panthers matter. Now, it has been confirmed by multiple uh, parents and including one person who used to work at that school. It does exist. It is there. Isn't that weird? And by the way, one I, of the parents just called just now. Yeah. And they, they denied that it exists. What? Oh, you mean the parent called the school? Just now called the school, and they said, we don't have anything like that. Wow, that's weird. Well, I think this is why the governor said parents need to be more involved in school and his state of the state and that less involved. I think there there was a time when parents were in the hallways more, in the classrooms more, and I think that's what we need to get back to. Um, Well, it's hard. A lot of parents have to work. Um, and, know, and we but... can't be we can't be in the schools like we I mean, I was a I was a, you know, class mom. Right. I wanted to be a fly on the wall. That's that's why class moms become class moms. I wasn't a helicopter mom, but, you, you know, you kind of want to be there. I was on the PTA and everything like that. But, you know, a lot of moms were working. We were picking up the slack for all the moms that had to work. I, mean, I, I didn't have to work um, during school hours. But, you know, the the bottom line is, is that we we can't we elect school board members to be our eyes and ears, I think. <laughs> That's why we elect well, people is because we hope that they're going to represent us. But, and I think and I, I think you're right. And I think sometimes, like you said early on, we took that for granted. We just mm-hmm. knew that the schools were there and our kids were learning and they were graduating. And it was kind of like, you know, no news is bad news. Right. You know, we figured mm-hmm. everything was happening. And it is the one positive um, that came out of COVID is that parents now took a took a reset and took a pause and said, wait, I, what is going on in school? Mm-hmm. And and so I, I, I truly believe that people will be now more involved in school board elections. I think, and, and I've, I've said it a hundred times, I'll fall on the sword. There were times I didn't realize the school board election was up. And now I'm in the voting booth and I'm searching for names. You know, what are the names that sounded familiar? Have my friends talked about it? Is there a sign in the yard of somebody who thinks like me? Like, Mm -hmm. who am I going to vote for? We're never going to do that again. I I think it really woke people up to say, I need to know who's on my school board. I need to know what their views and thoughts are. And those races are going to be much more competitive. And I think they're going to be a little bit more grueling to where parents are going to really demand. They're going to ask questions and they're going to demand answers yeah. before they blindly go in and, and vote somebody in. And then quite frankly, you know, and I just to borrow a, a slogan from a friend, Don Bound, you know, we often elect and forget and then we don't hold them accountable. Um, and we're not paying attention to the school board meetings that 
you could watch on, you know, you could watch them and on, you know, streaming, you can go to them, you can, but still it's, it's, um, you start to wonder, you, you, you feel like you're just being fooled here. And for that sign to exist in a, in a, in a school hallway, it may seem innocuous in like first glance, but then when you think about it, you're like, who's behind this? And why would they even think that this is necessary? Yeah, you know? I, I don't I, I don't know, because I, I would think in schools, we really want to focus on our children's education yes. and turning out turning out children that are going to prosper in a career, move mm. on to secondary education or go into a trade like that. That should be yeah. the focus of the school is how are we going to educate these kids in the best way we can? And let's leave these social issues at the door. When we were in school, I don't remember teachers, we never talked about religion in the classroom. And we never talked about politics in the sense that I knew the way my teachers thought or voted. Mm-hmm. Um, I took I took poli-sci courses in college, and I can tell you, your best professors, you should be able, they should be able to argue both sides, tell mm-hmm. you both sides, and you should never know where they sit. Yeah, we were talking uh, this teacher. morning. We didn't, God forbid, we found out the first name of our school teacher. It was like a big deal, you know? <laughs> exactly. And I, I think I think that's where that's I think it's what we're just seeing people wanting to get back to. Right. Is just mm-hmm. how do we just go back to reading, writing and arithmetic? How do we turn out kids that are prepared to be good workers, good tradesmen, good people? Right. Good people that can function, that are confident, that feel like they can take care of themselves. I mean, that's the job of us as parents. That should be the role the school plays in it. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, I think your first question was gender sports. Hey, I'm a, I am the mother of a daughter uh, who was never a great, you know, she was always a passionate athlete, but I knew she was never going to, she was never going to make a million dollars, right? She was never going to be on the final four, like our Gamecocks are going to be, but, but she worked hard. And to think that somebody could come in, and, and I think we're seeing that, I think when the girls' sports acts were kind of people were talking about it. We didn't have any real, we didn't have like, you know, something real and tangible in front of us that we could see. And now we're seeing it, you know, with the, with Mm -hmm. the, with the swimmer. And Mm -hmm. I, I I think it's Indiana university, maybe Um, just that those records, you know, it was a biological male, um, transgender female, competing against these girls and breaking records. I mean, not just by seconds. You know, anytime a record's yeah. broken, it's by a half a second. It's right. by a quarter of a second. It's, I mean, by full seconds, mm-hmm. by multiple seconds. Yeah. I mean, and, so, and, hey, wait, and as a male athlete, middle of the pack at best. He was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you look at that, you have to ask yourself, I'm not trying to be mean to any class of people. But what about being fair to these girls that have probably, you know, just in that sport, have from the time they were six years old, put on a bathing suit at six o'clock every morning and swam and swam and swam and parents who have invested in swimming Mm -hmm. camps and private lessons and pool time to now get their get their children to get to their dream and then to have it just crushed and devastated or to those girls that created those records. Well, those sudden, those uh, female athletes, they have a lot of power and they're not wielding it as collectively as they should. 
You know, that, that's what I feel. I feel like they're, if they were more organized, uh, you know, they could... You, you have a couple of stray uh, accomplished athletes sticking their neck out, but it can't be like that. It's got to be a collective, um, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to this if that person's in the pool. Doesn't make sense. Why am I here? Like, why Why bother? You know, it might as well. Yeah. I might as well wear flippers, you know, and nobody else wears flippers. It's like, you know, what's the point? I, so. I think parents have to parents have to weigh in on this. I mean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. parents who spend a lot of money on their daughter's sports careers, right? Yeah. They need to be really speaking out, organizing together. Um, I think you're seeing that. You're, I'm seeing these bills pop up in every mm-hmm. state. Yep. I know, you know, uh, I was with Lieutenant Governor of Utah on this trip also, and, you know, their, their General Assembly was getting ready to pass a bill and, and try to, to take it over. We have to have good bills, good bills that will stand up in court when they're fought. If we've learned anything from the pro-life movement, mm-hmm. um, we have to have good bills. Well, that's you know, what South that Dakota's make- Christy Nome was saying. She was saying, I didn't like the first one, but this is the one, you know, and she created. Exactly. She got behind the one that she knew would hold up um, and she and took we, a beating for it. But she's probably right. And, and that's what we have to do. Right. We can't get mad at our elected officials, you know, because we read the headline and say, oh, mm-hmm. you know. Like yeah. you said, Governor Christie Noem votes. doesn't mean she's against yeah. it. Right. She's just bright enough to know, I can sign this, but we're just going to fight it and spend mm-hmm. millions of dollars fighting Waste in time court. And let's money. All sit, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's sit down and create a bill that w- will stick. Right. And that's what we have to We have to get past being mad at elected people for, for doing their job, mm-hmm. right? If they see something wrong, then let's just make it better. Doesn't mean you're against it. Let's just yeah, make it better. Exactly. Well, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett, we've kept you over time as usual. Glad to have you back. Welcome home. Well, and well, thank you. And I missed you guys. It was it was weird a Thursday morning going by <laughs> and not being on the radio with you all. But it's good to be back, and it's always great to be back in South Carolina. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thanks so much, Liz. Have a great week. You too. Liz Calloway and Nick Summers will be back in a few on Talk 94.5. All right. It's official. On April 20th, we, Nick and I, and Larry from Burger 5, will be having a fundraising event for our efforts to raise. We need to raise $3,000. Me, you, and Larry collectively, $3,000. I think we could do it in one night over at BurgerFi, April 20th. And so, we have a great guitar we're going to be raffling off, too. Oh, Remember, that's right. Jeff yeah. the Guitar Builder. So. Yeah, so we're going to be selling raffle tickets for that. We'll have our Spin the Wheel of Fortune. And um, what else? Oh, just come and hang out. Yeah. Get one of those delicious burgers that are never frozen. Find out why they are the best burgers in Myrtle Beach. Certified Black Angus beef burgers that uh, only 1% of all the American ranches meets burger fries strict standards. Yeah, they're that strict. No hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids, none of that stuff. That goes for their chicken, too. Enjoy craft beer and wine. Dine inside, dine outside. Top things off with some delicious frozen 